Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delb and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to the Cloudcast, coming to you live from the massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. You know, we we just wrapped up uh, KubeCon last week. Uh, I had a chance to get out to Seattle and, and get to KubeCon, and one of the big announcements uh, that happened last week, amongst a, a ton of other ones, was uh, a new thing from uh, the folks at CoreOS, who are frequently coming out with new and, and very cool technology, uh, but it's a new set of technology called operators. And so today we're uh, very excited uh, to have somebody back on the show who we had on a very long time ago when they were first getting started, but excited to have Brandon Phillips back on the show. Uh, Brandon, the CTO of, of CoreOS. Brandon, welcome back after a long time. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Uh, I know we've, we've had Alex on a couple of times. We've had uh, Redbeard on, but it's good to have you back on the show again. Um, so before we dive into this this whole what's going on around operators and some of the cool things you're doing, um, give me your your kind of uh, you know two cents on on KubeCon now that you know you've been back for a couple of days and kind of had a chance to reflect on it. Yeah, so KubeCon was I mean pretty overwhelming. So if you think back on Kubernetes hitting 1.0, you know what was it about 18 months ago um, to go from a community that um, really started with a bunch of Technology folks, uh, CoreOS and Google and Red Hat, focusing on um, solving a handful of problems that they thought were important. To now having you know a thousand plus people <laughs> uh, in the room talking about how they're using it and how they're deploying it and how it's making their operations better, like uh, better, it's uh, it's a pretty huge transformation in such a short period of time. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was at, at times it, the, the event was a little bit overwhelming. Um, you know, twelve hundred people. You know, when you compare it to some other events, doesn't necessarily sound like a massive thing, but but it was. It was like you said. Um, it, you know, the the technology kind of went from uh, you know some some incubation level stuff to all these you know relatively large name you know customers saying, hey, we're you know we're using it for. Uh, our CI environment. We're using it for this set of applications. We're using it for you know all sorts of stuff, which was which was really really promising because I, I think a lot of times with with newer technologies, sometimes it's you know a lot of people talking about the what ifs, and and this was this was a lot of people uh, you know really talking about hey you know I, I'm I'm doing stuff with it and I want to make it you know how do we make it even better or you know how do I get more involved? So that part was very cool. Um, Let's talk a little bit about, you know, you gave a, a keynote on, on day one. You were in the afternoon on day one. Uh, the day before, I think you guys announced this new thing called operators. Um, give us a sense of, like, what's the, what's the problem space that, that operators is, is trying to solve and, and kind of give us the, the basics of what it, you know, what, it, what it actually does in terms of capabilities. Sure. So the big idea with um, operators and with my keynote overall is, People get excited about Kubernetes because, um, you know, for a long time we've had this vision for, I always like to call it like the operator's paradise, but this idea that we make it really easy to scale applications, we make it really easy to make applications that are tolerant to machine failures, uh, we make it really easy to update and manage our applications over time, and really like the unique opportunity that Kubernetes represents is we're putting APIs on top of a lot of the compute network and storage infrastructure um, that makes you know the backend computing of the internet actually go. And uh, with that opportunity, um, we're able to kind of use those abstractions, use those tools to take out some of the 
you know, day-to-day toil of operating systems um, over a long period of time. And so uh, we introduced this concept called an operator. And the big idea with the operator is that um, for a lot of the regular maintenance that you need to do um, in a complex system, instead of, you know, having these run books or these scripts, you have a piece of software that you declare what you'd like the system to be doing, and then the system drives state towards that. Um, and it's essentially taking two core concepts inside of Kubernetes, the idea of a third-party resource and the idea of a controller and gluing them together and making it uh, simpler to operate complex applications on top of Kubernetes. Um, so that's the, that's the big idea. It takes care of the scaling and the health recovery and that sort of stuff of applications. Okay. Um, so l- l- let me, let's sort of walk through a few things just so people get the basics and, and we'll never cover enough of this in the podcast. So you guys have a, a really awesome FAQ that we'll point to in the show notes that people can go kind of dive into and a bunch of samples and stuff. So, but, um, so, you know, one of the things that people like about Kubernetes is, you know, it, it is fairly easy um, to get an application on the, on the platform, the, the scheduling, kind of the default scheduler. Um, that comes with the platform and the ability to do some things like like replicas is is really easy, um, and and people have you know kind of said hey we, you know we've we've moved towards it because some of the other things that were in the marketplace uh, or in communities maybe were a little more complicated so something like a you know Mesos and Marathon or you know sort of this this two two tier type of thing is this a step towards Kubernetes kind of having to have more specific application awareness or is this you know, as operators, kind of a general purpose tool, but, but, you know, more driven towards kind of application awareness. I'm, I'm trying to get a sense of, you know, where it, where it fits in as people kind of compare it to other stuff. Yeah. So the big idea of an operator is that, um, you know, applications have their expectations of how they're configured. Um, maybe they have some administrative APIs, et cetera. And then Kubernetes, has its own idea of like what copies of the application are running and where. An operator is really just a pattern, um, like a design pattern of how do you glue an application into the Kubernetes ecosystem in a way that's very, very Kubernetes native. Um, and that's that's kind of the, the big thing that we're trying to do is, so we released two operators. We released an operator for a cloud native monitoring solution called Prometheus, and then we uh, announced another operator for our distributed database called etcd. Yep. And so in each of these cases, um, we make it with just a few lines of uh, Kubernetes resource configuration for you to be able to operate and deploy these uh, complex, well, more complex applications on top of Kubernetes in a really like Kubernetes native way. So it's, it's really like, you can think of it as this glue that's sort of needed um, between a lot of the really cool software that exists today and making it um, not just work well on top of Kubernetes, but feel really like a native Kubernetes um, application. Okay. So, and and I mean, one of the big things that came out of this last week was, um, you know, we, we, I mean, you have a concept in Kubernetes today called, that you know, used to be called pet sets. It, it's now called stateful sets. Um, and people are kind of intrigued with this idea that, um, you know, this, this platform can do more than sort of stateful applications because, for a lot of companies, um, you know, they, they will write new applications at some point or they will roll out new versions of a web front end or something. But but there's still, you know, a, a portion of their portfolio that's stateful. Um, 
where does where does this fit in with you know kind of the work that already exists in Kubernetes to do some level of, of stateful types of applications or interactions with storage and things like that? Yeah, so uh, Kubernetes has all of the um, sort of primitives needed in order to run pretty much any Linux application that you've been running on a server in the past. So um, we have this idea of a stateful set, um, which is one one path. Uh, Kubernetes can already mount persistent volumes. So if you need like to run a database that um, has to have access to like a shared block device, like an EBS device or maybe some SAN device, um, you can also do things as simple as you know, ensure that this application runs on the exact same host every time uh, so that it has access to the files that it had before from just the local file system. And so in a lot of cases, if you have a stateful application and that stateful application has requirements around its IP address stability or its storage stability, you can absolutely model that under Kubernetes. Now, it gets a little bit more interesting when you may have a stateful application that's sort of we won't say cloud native, but maybe let's say cluster native. And for those sorts of applications that, you know, the class of applications being like sharded MySQL applications or uh, a rep- read replica database, um, your Redis caches, uh, monitoring systems, this is where you want to, uh, we think a great pattern is this idea of an operator where you essentially glue these clustered applications with, um, code that makes them aware of Kubernetes native concepts, and then you kind of have created a uh, a native application on top of Kubernetes that is able to handle state, it's able to handle dynamic reconfiguration, it's able to handle um, dynamic service discovery. Um, so that that's kind of the big idea. So you can imagine us down the road. Today we have an etcd operator and a Prometheus operator, but we may have a Postgres operator or a sharded MySQL operator, et cetera, uh, down the road. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I can imagine people even looking to build a, you know, uh, like Kubernetes controller type of operator, you know, the thing that'll sort of manage the system itself or, you know, backups of any, uh, you know, important type of application. There may be some capabilities to to have awareness. So I, I think if, I, if, I'm, if I'm kind of looking at this, it's, you know, there, there have been things in the past that would help people, like you said, build scripts or playbooks. This is really saying, look, if if you're making a commitment to Kubernetes, you're going to try and build around the APIs. You're going to try and build around the concepts of it. This is that, you know, w- one of those ways that you might go about keeping things, everything sort of in the native Kubernetes way of thinking about stuff as opposed to a bunch of external systems that have different constructs that you have to translate into Kubernetes concepts if you will yeah exactly okay exactly so it's like how do i take those run books and like now that i have all the power of the kubernetes apis essentially automate the run books (laughs) right you know right now um now i mentioned you know having like a like a kubernetes operator um you know one of the things i tend to do is is look at you know different platforms and so forth so for example like in the cloud foundry world there's this thing called bosch whose job is to kind of help set up the underlying stuff underneath, uh, you know, the, the Cloud Foundry platform. Is is Operator something that you could see evolving to becoming, you know, if I want to add more nodes uh, underneath what's going to be in my Kubernetes environment, or if I want to, you know, replicate, 
the, the controllers in a way that, you know, they're going to be highly available or available for DR. I mean, is this something that could evolve that way as well? Or is, is this really mostly focused on applications within, you know, running on top of Kubernetes? Yeah, so this is a great question. And this is really about the, the, the other keynote, um, which people can find a recording of online that I gave at KubeCon. And the other operator that we've um, started to build and we haven't released um, anywhere yet, but is the idea of an operator that can actually upgrade Kubernetes itself. Um, and so that's what I demonstrated on stage. But the idea is that um, we've been working along with the open source community inside of Kubernetes for uh, about a half a year now, maybe a little longer, on this concept of self-hosted Kubernetes. So it gets a little noodly. So yeah. just hold on for a sec. But was, now, was this the thing you guys were, I think, was it called like Kubeboot? Is that the yeah. name? Okay, yeah. So we have an implementation called BootCube. But what self-hosted Kubernetes is trying to do is run all of the Kubernetes components on top of Kubernetes itself. So <laughs> it gets a little little recursive. Inception, yeah. Yeah, but um, so Kubernetes is really good at um, deploying applications in containers. And every component except for one component of Kubernetes, which is called the kubelet, which is actually the agent that lives on the host, um, is actually runnable in a container. So the scheduler and the API server and the underlying data store of Kubernetes called etcd that we built, um, all that stuff uh, can run inside of containers. And so we built a tool called BootCube, which you can try out. It's open source. It's on Kubernetes Incubator, which de- sets up and deploys Kubernetes clusters using only containers <laughs> to deploy the cluster. Um, and then those containers show up in the Kubernetes API. And so if you want to make an HA Kubernetes, it's really easy. You just click the button from one to two and you scale the API servers up. Or if you want to scale up or upgrade, say, the controller manager, um, you can just edit the deployment, uh, click save on the deployment from kubectl edit deployment, and it will do a rolling upgrade of the controller manager. And so you begin to imagine, like, this is a pretty powerful abstraction. You're able to manage the platform using the platform APIs itself, um, which means that over time you'd imagine deploying Kubernetes and managing Kubernetes becomes two separate tools. So if I want to scale out the underlying infrastructure for my Kubernetes platform, I go and click the auto-scaling group in AWS, or I go plug in more machines and pixie boot them in my data center. And then no matter whether it's in AWS or it's in my own data center, I use the Kubernetes APIs to actually um, upgrade and scale Kubernetes. They're the two separate things, which means I get to utilize the exact same tooling no matter what environment I'm deploying the compute networking and storage for Kubernetes to manage. I can use the exact same APIs to manage Kubernetes itself. Um, and so the, the thing that we demoed is that um, very similar to CoreOS Container Linux, with this powerful concept of Kubernetes self-hosted, we're able to let users just subscribe to a channel of Kubernetes, and they can say, I want to be running the alpha version of of, uh, Kubernetes, I want to be running the beta version of Kubernetes, and um, they can then click a button, and the cluster will upgrade from one version to the next. Uh, And that's all automated using what we call a Kubernetes version operator. Um, And it's a pretty powerful concept, and if you want to just try out the basics of it all, uh, it's, it's available today on the Kubernetes Incubator BootCube project. 
Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So we'll, we'll definitely put a, a link in the show notes to that. So, I mean, it, it, it like you said, it, it does get to be a little bit of you go, okay, it's, it's this on top of this. And, and, but you know, we, we've always heard people talk about things like DevOps and how you've got to get this common language between teams and you want to get common tooling. And I mean, it, it, it sounds like you guys are really trying to push the envelope around this idea that, you know, this is going to be a system that's, uh, you know, where you're going to build the future of your applications. And one of the things you, you need, you know, you, you should be taking advantage of the fact that, that it is, you know, it can be, uh, you know, it can take advantage of what containers do. It can take advantage of spinning environments up quickly. Um, and, and you can think about it as a, as a platform or as almost like an individual application and, and, and use it, whether you're, like you said, on the ops side of things or on the development side of things, it's, uh, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a powerful concept. You have to sort of think about it a little bit. You probably, you know, draw some pictures quite a bit, but, uh, no, that's cool. And, and you guys were showing, you know, kind of upgrading versions of, of Linux and, but you can apply it to, to almost anything I would guess at that point. Yeah. And I think the, like, um, it's easy to kind of get lost in the technical details, sure. but really what we're trying to get, what we're trying to get at is that, look, these, Kubernetes and all this technology is fairly complex, and um, we don't want operators, um, we don't want the people who are in charge of this infrastructure to have to think about the details of everything, and we want them to be able to confidently do things like when a zero-day vulnerability comes out um, for Kubernetes or the underlying infrastructure, we want them to understand how they take action without necessarily having to be complete 100% experts in Kubernetes and its architecture. And really the only way to do that is through automation. And so all the tech is cool, but what we're really trying to do is build software, build infrastructure tools that let operators, uh, let, let people essentially really effectively manage not the day one experience, but the you know day 365 experience of, of the infrastructure. Yeah, no, and I, and I think that's, I think that's cool. I, I like the mindset of that because I think we, for, for a long time, we've we've sort of built tools for for developers and operators differently, and we've we've kind of left the operators behind sometimes, and and making them feel like it was always, well, you're you're the bottleneck, and hence maybe we don't need you as much, or you know we can replace you with a cloud or or whatever it would be. So I, that, that's cool. I like I like the mindset of that thinking, and uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see you know, the feedback you get from people as it, as it moves from incubation into, into other stages. Um, so one of the other things, cause as you guys have been at this for a long time, um, you know, one of the other things I heard from, from a number of, of companies was, you know, them just sort of going, uh, yeah, I heard some people talking about this and they're trying to figure out like, you know, does this, does this really work in production? And I think that got proved out pretty well at, at KubeCon. Um, but they're trying to figure out things like, can I replicate the environment? Can I back up the environment? How do I do the, like, what's the, what's the mindset that you kind of, you know, talk to people when they, when they, you know, if they come from more traditional operations and they're, you know, they're bringing up those concepts, is it, is it a, Hey, you know, here's the tools you use, or is it more of a mind shift change that you, you kind of go, look, things are immutable and you don't have to think about backing them up or what, what, what's that conversation look like? Yeah, so that's um, there's a few facets to that conversation. Um, first is that uh, Kubernetes is just like your average web application. Its job is different. It's not going to be you know showing you cat pictures on a blog, um, <laughs> but it's 
it's just like a, a regular web app. So it has a uh, long-running service that responds to HTTP requests. That's the Kubernetes API. And then behind that long-running service is a database, and that's the etcd database. Um, and so just like you would have to be concerned about backing up the MySQL of your WordPress, you need to be concerned with backing up the etcd instance and ensuring that either, you know, you're running etcd on top of a highly available replicated block store, which is a lot, what a lot of people do by running on top of EBS or running on top of a SAN in their data center, or you ensure that etcd, um, etcd you can kind of think of as having its own native RAID system. It will do replication for you between a lot of different machines, um, but you still want to back that thing up and maintain it and care for it just like you would any other important database. Um, so that's one thing that you just got to be aware of is like these systems hold on to state. You back up state on other pieces of your infrastructure. Do the same here. Yeah. The other piece is that um, despite all the like scariness and craziness of this technology, um, like during my keynote, I, I showed that I'm doing this live rolling upgrade of of Kubernetes using the Kubernetes APIs, um, but the really important thing about Kubernetes is the whole thing is designed to fail very, very nicely. So I have a, actually a tutorial that I've given at a few conferences about what happens when Kubernetes fails, what happens when the components fail, what happens when uh, pieces of the software stop, what happens if you lose load balancers. And to a large degree, Kubernetes is designed so that pretty much the entire thing can fall apart and your app keeps running. So your Linux processes aren't going to get killed. The firewall rules aren't going to get torn down. DNS will continue to resolve, etc. You're going to want to, you know, of course, get Kubernetes back up and running. Um, but you can have some pretty critical, terrible bugs inside of Kubernetes where it becomes 100% unavailable. And those processes that are actually servicing your user traffic don't go away. Um, and I think that's, I think the testament to why Kubernetes has gotten so much traction is that um, you know, good, solid, experienced operations people uh, can sit down for a couple days, understand the architecture, understand the failure uh, concepts of Kubernetes, and actually feel like, you know what, I'm, I'm okay putting myself on pager rotation for this because um, it's something that I, I understand isn't going to lead to 100% catastrophic <laughs> uh, mess-ups for, yeah. for me and my team. So, yeah, no, it makes sense. It's something I hear quite a bit from people is they feel like um, there are sort of clear delineations as to where a developer engages with it, what what operators do. And, and obviously, uh, you know, you and you and Alex come from a, a background uh, having done some really large scale operations. So, it's, you know, it's good to hear that you guys kind of give it the the thumbs up seal of approval, uh, something that, you know, that, that you would have felt comfortable using and building and so forth. Um, so let me, let me wrap you up one, one last question and we'll let you get, get back to your, uh, get back to things. Um, so, you know, there's a couple of example, uh, operators that you've posted one for etcd and, and for Prometheus, as you, as you mentioned, um, obviously, you know, you talked about others that could happen somewhere down the road. Like, is there any, talk within say the cncf or you know hosted by coro you know coro s will there be like a big repository where people can can go grab these um you know as a like what what's the intention for sort of where people will find these or where you know if somebody says hey i have an idea for one that maybe you suggest they should put them so they could get reused by other people as opposed to being everybody's github in everybody's github profile 
Yeah, for sure. There's been some talk about that, uh, about creating like a GitHub org or something like that. Um, we may do that sometime down the road. Um, right now, we've just been focused on introducing the concept, making yeah. the first couple uh, solid. But I'd, I'd definitely be uh, be interested to see um, other people coming up with ideas. And if um, it makes sense, we can definitely create a home for these things. Uh, there's there's a there's a lot of stuff that can be built, and I think. You know what we've done with the etcd and prometheus operators is really just scratching the surface but really making you know quite compelling user experiences that um, teams of infrastructure and, and teams of engineers uh, really have only dreamed of um, in the last few years so okay very cool well listen uh before you go what's uh what's the best place if people want to you know, reach out to you, talk about, you know, what, what you've got going on at CoreOS or, you know, the projects that you're working on or even just, you know, the places you might be speaking again in the next few months. Yeah, so a few different places. Um, we are at CoreOS on Twitter. Um, I'm at Brandon Phillips uh, with one L on, uh, on Twitter as well. And then we have an event in New York if people are interested talking about Kubernetes called Tectonic Summit. That's happening on the 12th and 13th. Uh, I'll be speaking there. And then coming into the new year, we have uh, KubeCon EU uh, yeah. in March in Berlin. So that's a that's a good one to keep your eyes on too if you're in the European time zones. Very and cool. besides that, um, Coros.com is where you can find everything else. Excellent. Well, listen, uh, as always, thank you for, for coming back. I know uh, all the guys from CoreOS have always been very cool about keeping us updated on what's going on in the in the cube world, in the Giphy world, and uh, we wish you guys uh, you know the best of luck going forward. So thanks again uh, for Aaron and for Brandon, folks. We uh, appreciate you listening, and we will talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media. 